I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, a weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 53 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about the problem of police violence. Well, I'm back. After sitting on the beach for a few days, I'm now in the proverbial saddle again, ready for a new episode of Thoughts from Harry Head. And before I get started, I wanted to let you know about an event that I'm going to be speaking at in August, August 13th to be exact, in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, the Abbeville Institute is putting together a nullification conference and. It's going to be really, really good. Like, I'm the only person speaking there that doesn't have letters after his name, like PhD. So uh, some really high-profile folks are going to be talking about nullification, and I'm going to be talking about the practical applications of nullification today. So I'll give you more details about it as we get closer, but if you're in Georgia or close to Georgia, put that date on your calendar, August 13th. So in the last few weeks, we've seen two more high-profile officer-involved shootings that led to protests and outrage in many communities. And then we had the five Dallas police officers gunned down. And I think at this point, nobody can deny that we have a problem with police violence in this country. And when I say police violence, it runs in both directions, violence by police officers and violence against police officers. And this can't end well for anybody. I've long been talking about the problem of aggressive policing, but shooting cops isn't going to solve anything. And anybody that tries to justify or make excuses for murdering police officers, I don't want to have anything to do with you. But I fear we're all getting railroaded into these two diametrically opposed positions that both miss the real problem. It's like we either have to be pro-Black Lives Matter, or anti-cop, or pro-cop, or whatever. And, you know, you can look at both sides of the issue, and, and there are legitimate things that are raised on both sides. But there's a deeper problem, and if we don't address it, the violence is only going to escalate. Because here is a universal truth. Violence begets violence. And when you embrace a system that is inherently violent, you cannot be surprised when there is violence. Now, let me clarify what I mean. I operate out of a a position that it is immoral or unethical to initiate force 
against peaceful people. In other words, I don't have any right to coerce you into doing what I want you to do. Now, that said, I don't preclude defensive violence. We all have a right to protect ourselves. We have a right to protect our families. We have a right to protect our property against aggressive uh, violence. So we can defend ourselves. But the system of government we all live under is primarily based on coercive violence, not defense of life, liberty, and property. Now, sadly, most people don't even recognize that they live in an inherently violent society. But you have to remember, every time you utter the words, there ought to be a law, you are ultimately authorizing the use of deadly force to enforce your will. Every law is backed up by a gun. So when you say, oh, we need to have a law requiring people to wear seatbelts, when you really boil it all down, you're saying it is justified to use violence against somebody, to use lethal force against somebody, ultimately, in the end, to make them wear a seatbelt. That's the system we live under. Now, nobody wants to address that. You know, they want to do stupid things like nationalize the police. President Obama mentioned this, and Al Sharpton came right out and said the Department of Justice should, quote, take over policing in this country. He went on to say we had to fight states' rights to get the right to vote, and we'll have to fight states' rights in terms of closing down police cases. I don't even know what that means, but obviously he wants a national police force. He wants the Department of Justice to control policing. This is absolutely absurd. It's like, it's like if the neighborhood grocery store down the street you know, screwed you over, like sold you stale bread or something, and your solution is to have Walmart control all the local stores so you know, you'll get good bread. I mean, that's basically what Al Sharpton's asking for. He's asking for monopolization and centralization of government. And this is what progressives always want to do. They want to centralize things. This guy's an idiot. Now, let's just set aside the constitutional issues simply by saying that there is absolutely no authority for the federal government to regulate your state or local police doesn't exist. It wasn't intended. In fact, police powers was one of the things that was mentioned over and over again during the uh, founding generation. This, is, this was mentioned over and over that it would be the role of the states. So yes, there are definitely problems, but you're not going to solve those problems by nationalizing the police force. In fact, the nationalization of police is a major part of the problem. Police militarization is driven by the unconstitutional war on drugs. It's a federal program. The feds are driving police violence. The feds have turned local peace officers into soldiers to fight in a drug war. It's the feds who are giving Barney Fife's of the world tanks and machine guns. They have turned protect and serve into command and control. The feds did this. It all started in the early 1970s. President Nixon, he fired the opening salvo. He said, we must wage what I have called total war on public enemy number one in the United States, the problem of dangerous drugs. Now, you notice everything that the federal government wants to do, government in general wants to do, it has to be a war. You know, we have a war on poverty, a war on drugs, everything's a war. Well, you know, war is violent. War is force. And that's certainly what we've gotten with the so-called war on drugs. And while Nixon was the one that declared this war, it was President Reagan who actually kicked it into high gear. Spending on the drug war tripled in the 1980s, and 37 federal agencies 
entered into the fray. Now, this brings us to SWAT teams. SWAT teams were basically have basically evolved to be the uh, the frontline forces in the war on drugs. But they were initially created just to respond to rare and extreme events, such as a hostage situation or an active shooter or, or a riot. But by the 1980s, police were regularly deploying SWAT as an investigative tool, sending these heavily armed officers in the dead of night to execute search warrants. And what are they looking for? Drugs. Half the time, it's just weed. So basically, we have a war on a plant. And Al wants more of this. It's insane. He doesn't understand that what he's asking for is exactly what's caused the problem. We have too many militarized police officers who think they're soldiers in a war enforcing way too many pointless laws. Look, this is my point. If you ask cops to enforce a law, that means you are authorizing them to kill to do it. If you want to stomp out a plant or keep people from getting high or keep them from selling illicit cigarettes or whatever it is, this is what you're going to get. Violence. We can debate racism. We can talk about police brutality. We can argue about how people should comply with the police officers. We can talk about respect for the law. We can side with cops or we can side with Black Lives Matter. Or we can just agree that killing people is wrong. But until we address the core issue, the violence inherent in the system, we will continue to reap the consequences of violence. More violence. Never forget, violence begets violence. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do me a favor and spread the word. And make sure you head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast for free. And if you have any thoughts or ideas about shows, send me an email at michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.